chapter 14. And in verse 7, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Now, do you remember we're talking here about the different views on secondary or doubtful issues, peripheral issues of Christianity. Those issues of, you know, dancing or smoking or drinking or different types of foods or certain days to worship on. Now, if we're talking about a clear doctrinal issue, then, then it's not up for a debate. It's not up for, it's not up for a discussion at all. Um, so if somebody says, well, don't judge me, brother, just because I'm living in fornication with somebody, or, you know, it's okay for me to still, God's given me a piece about it, because they should have gave me a raise and they didn't. Uh, no, at that point, you see, it's really not a, uh, discussion. They're in sin, and they need to repent of their sin. And so we are to judge one another to discernment. So the Bible says we need to check, is the tree good or is the tree bad? Because if a tree's good, the whole, uh, if the fruit's good, the whole tree, uh, no good tree can bear bad fruit, no bad tree can bear good fruit. So we do need to be fruit inspectors. There's nothing wrong with that. However, if we're judging to condemnation, now, that's another issue. And if we're just being critical, as the word here, chrysis, of judging, judging one another, it's just being critical towards one another. And we don't want to do that. So there are people with different views on the secondary issues. Some people here tonight are very convinced drinking and under any circumstance whatsoever is wrong, period. Now, you don't want to argue with them on that. Because they need to believe that. The weaker brother has more stringent rules. The, re the weaker brother is just very cut and dry on issues. He needs to be cut and dry on issues because of the weakness of his own body. And the Bible says we need to know our own vessel, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, how to keep it in sanctification and honor. So we need to know. Some people, they, they don't have a hard time with certain things. Um, other people do. Some people have a hard time keeping their focus and walking solidly with the Lord. Other people, it's, it's not a problem. They can just get their eyes on the Lord and they stay walking with the Lord and, and they have a few ups and downs. But there's other people, man, they're off drugs, on drugs, into alcohol, out of alcohol. They quit walking with the Lord for six months and they struggle. And it's a struggle. And so when they're in that downtime, you see, they start saying to themselves, man, I'm never going to drink any alcohol ever again under any circumstances. I'm not going to go to a Padre game where there's alcohol served and blah, blah. And, and they say these things to themselves and they're right. <laughs> they're right. For themselves, they're right. And so we don't want to argue with them over those doubtful things. We need to just say, all right, praise God. You've come to that conclusion and that's, that's good. Now, the point that brother who, who is the weaker brother, who has those more set of rules, he needs to understand a couple of things. Number one is, is that listen, listen to the other people's views. So in other words, if a brother has a doubtful point, say he's doubtful in a certain thing, and he's certain that you cannot drink under any circumstance, I don't want to convince him to drink, because that may be his downfall. But at the same time, I can say, well, for me, that's it. And then there's no judgment between one another. You're thinking, man... He's carnal and he's going to end up backsliding if he doesn't listen to me. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're not. 
And the other guy doesn't want to say, man, that guy's really uptight. He's a, he's a stinking Pharisee. No, you don't want to judge each other that way. You don't want to judge each other. Just, you've got your view, you've got your view, stay there. But you see, by listening to one another, we do change. And that's good. We grow. There's some things right now, maybe you have liberty to do, and it's really grieving the heart of God. But in time, you see, you'll catch on. And one day, you'll scratch your head going, man, that one guy I thought was a Pharisee, and he was all legalistic, and boy, he said cut and dry, and now I think just like him. And I don't think I'm a Pharisee for thinking that way. I just have learned that for me to live for God in a more holy way, I have to cut those things out. And so we are going to grow. We are going to change. And we need to see that. But in the meantime, <laughs> we need to be at peace with one another. In the meantime, there's a battle out there where the devil is taking people to hell. There's a battle going on right now where people don't know Christ. And so we don't want to sit in the church punching each other when there's tons of demons out there to fight. We don't want to sit here and, and, and be distracted with issues that are doubtful issues because we can't say for certain, this is wrong all the time, don't do it ever because it's not necessarily the case. As we saw there in Timothy, in 1 Timothy, Paul and Timothy did not drink alcohol and and there, Timothy, even when he had a stomach problem, wasn't drinking al alcohol. And Paul finally told young Timothy, hey, drink some alcohol for the stomach. You need it for your, your stomach problems, you see. So Timothy's there, I'll never drink alcohol ever for any reason. And now, here's his mentor in a faith that he's following his example, saying, well, I understand you're not drinking just to be social, but for medicine, drink it for the cleansing of this, the stomach. Today we have Pepmobismo, so that's not a an issue, but back in those days it was an issue. So again, never say never. And again, if you uh, are fighting over the issues, I don't care how right you are, you're wrong in the spirit in which you're addressing those issues. If you're fighting about those peripheral issues, you're wrong, period. Because we don't want, we don't want to make it to an argument. If you can discuss it, you say your side, you say your side, it's over. We love each other. It doesn't matter. Even if you got little alcohol on your breath, I'll love you anyway. Even if you're smoking a cigarette before you come in the church, I'll love you anyway. For me, if I did that, boy, I would just feel like the biggest sinner in the world. I wouldn't feel like I was right with God at all. But you evidently don't feel that way. I, I don't see, I, I can't do that. But okay, you know what? I'm not going to judge you. It bothers me that you do it. I don't appreciate it. I know I couldn't do it and be right with God, but I'll let God be the God of your life. I'll let the Lord be Lord. I'm so glad that I don't have to be judge. I feel sorry for every judge in our country or world. It's the horriblest job. I'm glad I don't have to be a judge. I can be a pastor. I don't have to do that. I feel sorry for police officers that got to make those decisions, you know, to pull those people over and give them a ticket. I just couldn't do that. I mean, after I bummed a couple people out, I would just feel so bad I wouldn't give any more tickets and I'd get fired. <laughs> so I'm just so glad I don't have to judge. I can just love everybody. Now, again, it's a secondary issue. If you're living with your girlfriend or living with your boyfriend in sin and fornication, that's a whole other issue. 
I'm going to judge you. I'm going to go to you and I'm going to tell you to repent. If you don't repent, I'll go get one to her at the most. If you don't repent, we'll take it before the church. And if you don't repent, you'll be kicked out of church. You'll be excommunicated. Matthew 18. So there, there's, not, there's not flexibility on those issues. Only on the issues of secondary uh, importance. Like uh, in this particular case, what day they worshipped on or foods. And so... The object is on these issues, let us be at peace with one another. And so, none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. In verse 8, he says, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we, as believers, as Christians, are the Lord's. So, in other words, it's an issue like this. We've got one dad. Our father. I know my kids try to be each other's parent from time to time. And I'll go in there and my kid's going, he hit me. And he goes, well, dad, I had to spank him because, you know, <laughs> he was climbing on the bed. You told us not to do that. It's like, look, <laughs> you don't spank your brother. I'm his dad. Now get out of the way. Let me spank him. <laughs> In the same way, sometimes we're, we're trying to spank each other. And we don't need to do that. And so we, we, can, we can sort of make these digs, you see. So the brother who smokes is all of a sudden having financial problems. And he says, hey, I need a hundred bucks to buy groceries this month. How much do you spend on cigarettes each year? You see, it's not our job. We're not to spank one another. Well, you know, you wouldn't be sick so much if you didn't smoke so much. No, that's not our job. We're just to love one another. We're to be kind to one another. Tenderheartedly. We're not to discipline. We have one Lord. And so every believer here, some believers here drink, some believers smoke, some believers have no problem going to movies. Other people never go to movies. Some people watch certain shows that other Christians think they're horrible to watch. Some people, they have different views on these secondary issues. Now, is God the God of them? Are they a believer? Yes, they are. They love the Lord. They truly do. They're in the Bible like you're in the Bible. They come to church, hear God's work. They take joy and worship in the Lord. They're witnessing to their friends. Okay? Now, they're doing things that grieve you. They're doing things that aren't right in your mind to God. But you've got to realize, God is watching it. God's observing. God's paying attention. And so God's dealing with it. I don't have to. I have a dear brother in the Lord, and, and, and he watches movies that I, man, I, I, even as a non-Christian, I don't think I could watch. And he watches these movies. And one particular case, he, he had a pastor friend over and he said, hey, you've got to watch this movie and it's one of the best movies. And the, and the pastor got about halfway through with it and just said, hey, I, I've had enough. And he goes, what's up? And, and he rebuked him. He just said, you know, that, that's just not good. You know, if you're going to watch it, you're going to stumble people. Don't, don't show them that. And he left it, but it did, had no conviction on him. Other people have said stuff to him along those same lines. And, and a few weeks ago, just, bing, the lights came on. And he was just so grieved, going, how could, I, 
how could have I done that? It's so clear. It's so clear in the Word. It's so clear how it's messing me up spiritually. It's so clear how I could stumble people. And man, I, I don't know why I didn't see it. I don't either. But the thing was is that when it came time for Dad to deal with it, Dad dealt with it. You see? So again, we can think, now's the time. Stop it. Now's the time. Start doing that. But we need to step back and say, hold it. It's doubtful things. Now, as I had said in a message before, does that mean we don't provoke one another to love and to good works? No way. That guy who laid into him, who showed him the movie, said, I don't want to watch that. He did the right thing. Each of those people, they were doing the right thing. We need to provoke, irritate one another to love and good works. That doesn't mean if you see somebody who is doing a doubtful issue, that doesn't mean that you can't bring it up and say your view. So if you go over to Chart House and, and there's somebody in the body that you know quite well and, and they're drinking a beer or whatever and you walk up and, and you could say, hey, don't stumble people. You know, there's alcoholic, ex-alcoholics in our church that that's a really hard thing for them. They've had to totally give up. And if they saw you doing this, it could really stumble them. And let it lay. Because that is a real possibility. Giving license to somebody who's weaker, that'll mess them up. And this guy here is drinking this beer at the chart house thinking, man, don't you know it? I haven't drank a beer in five years. <laughs> you know? And the first time I do, there is a believer telling me I shouldn't do it. That could very well be the case. But nevertheless, that believer did the right thing. They're not judging you. They're not condemning you. They're not being critical. They're not going out saying, oh, I saw so-and-so over at the yard house drinking a beer. Do you know that? All of that, you see, would be wrong. That would be wrong. But if it's between you and it's a doubtful issue and he's telling you his personal convictions, thoughts, where God has brought him in his pilgrimage and maybe God's directing you in that path and by him saying those words, it'll help you to see that path a little clearer, then take it. But now, if that brother has an attitude towards him, I don't really want to fellowship with you. You're the kind of guy who drinks beer. I don't want you in my house. There's something wrong. You see, that, that shouldn't be the attitude towards one believer to another. We should love one another. And so we don't live to ourselves. Okay? God is watching. God's paying attention. God is dealing with that person. And the fact is, is they're drinking that beer and they're, they're totally convicted about it. And they keep looking over their shoulder, you know, and the waitress keeps coming and filling up and he's going, stop, stop, you know, and I... And he's sort of hiding it. And he's convicted. But here this believer comes and says, Hey, you know, you probably hadn't do that. Oh, I know, I know. I was convicted as soon as I ordered it. You know, and, and, and that may be the very thing to help them. You see. As long as there's no condemnation or criticalness on it. It shouldn't be that way. And so, none of us lives to himself. No one dies to himself. Okay? We are the Lord's. We're the Lord's now. We'll be the Lord's after we die. Now, as we're going to talk about here in just a second, is everybody going to receive an equal reward in heaven? No, we're not. And the fact of the matter is, is we'll all be in heaven, we'll all have a white robe of righteousness in heaven, but not everybody will have the same rewards in heaven because of how they lived on earth. And in many situations, people are born again believers, but they're living very carnally. And therefore, they're not bearing much fruit. And they're always struggling with the desire to read the Bible. They're always having a desire to want to 
to go to retreat or to fellowship with other Christians. It's always a struggle because they have one foot in the world that sort of not made it over the fence, you know, it's sort of stuck there. And so they're really not progressing in the faith. And the Bible makes it clear that there's some people will lose all reward. And I do think that some people who are taking their license on these issues, saying, there's no law for me, all things are, I have freedom in Christ, and they're running with that, and sure enough, they're born-again believers, and they're not really a wonderful Christian. They're a Christian, but they're not a great Christian. They're not a fruitful Christian. They're not really a good example as a Christian. They're not really leading people to the Lord, discipling people, and have that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control to a large degree. It's there some, but not to a large degree. And so they're going to stand before God, and on that day, they're going to go, Oh, what was I doing? Why did I waste so much time with all my liberty, when I could have just been totally losing my life in this world to gain it in the life to come. And that is the job of every Christian, to encourage one another, to provoke one another to love and good works, so we can say to one another, hey, you could do that, it's not going to condemn you, but at the same time, it's not going to edify you, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, and chapter 12, verse 23. Again, it's not going to encourage us, you see. It's not going to edify us. It's not going to build us up. It's not going to, it has no great value. And so you'll start seeing in your pilgrimage as a Christian, after a while, you really do see yourself, as it says there in 2 Timothy 2, as a soldier of the Lord who you want to please the one who enlisted you. And so you really start cutting loose all of these things, all of these doubtful issues. Could I drink? Yeah, but why bother? Just cut it off. Could I smoke? Yeah, sure. You know, I wouldn't mind smoking a cigar every once in a while, but I'm not going to. Just cut it. I'm just going to go. Could you go to that movie? Yeah, probably. You know, it's probably not the best movie in the world, but why mess with it? And so we're able to run that race with endurance, you see. And we're losing our life in this world, and we're going to gain that much more in rewards to come. And so there comes a place where it's just, you really just start cutting away all the things of this world until there is no more claws, there's no more hooks, there's no more entanglements, and you really can, can run that race with endurance, and you can run that race with joy, and you're going to finish the race with great reward. And hopefully, as I preach, I'm constantly doing that with you, saying, hey guys, let's move on with the Lord. Let's press on with the Lord. Let's put together here, Calvary San Diego, this incredible group of soldiers who are losing their life in this world, who are denying themselves daily. As Paul said, dying is present in me, that life would be in you. That we reason thus, that if one died for all, that all would die to no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them. And that is our aim. That is our joy. Not to say, let's get all our pleasure here and we'll have pleasure forevermore in heaven. But let's deny ourselves here. And let's press on to grab a hold of Christ and all that he has for us. And so, we don't live to ourselves here. We're living for the Lord. And when we die, we will stand before the Lord. And uh, thus we'll be judged by the Lord, as we're going to see here in a minute. Look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. And look at Paul and where he had come in his pilgrimage as a Christian. Philippians chapter 1, unless you're a new Christian, and that's the book of the Philippines. So, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. 
He says, Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ, notice, will be magnified, where? In my body, whether by life or by death. See, I don't think often we have this concept as we should, that Christ would be magnified in where? My spirit. Hey, brother, don't judge me. You don't know what's in my heart. Well, you're right. And I can't judge what's in your heart. But I, I'm supposed to be seeing what's in your heart by how you live. And so again, the whole point is that we would live in such a way that we would magnify Christ. How? In this body. So as you see me live in my patience, in my joy, in my kindness, in my goodness, in my self-control, in me denying myself, taking up my cross, and following Jesus, you would be able to see my good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And so Paul's saying, yeah, in this body, this temple, this tabernacle you're looking at, Christ is going to be magnified. And so that would be our aim, you see, on these doubtful issues. Is Christ really being magnified if you're smoking? Does the guy go, oh, look, he's smoking. He must be a Christian. Or, or... Or if the guy's smoking and he has a Jesus shirt on, you go, I wonder whose shirt is he borrowing, right? Or you see some guy throw a stub of cigarette out the window and he has a, you know, a bumper sticker says, must be born again or something. You say, gee, I wonder who you bought that car from. You see, he would have to do a little convincing, in our culture anyway, that he really is a Christian. In the same way, if you see some guy like the rest of the world at the Padre game, you know, going and getting his couple of beers and getting up and going to the bathroom ten times. And, and, uh, you would, and then he's like all of a sudden wanting to talk to you about the Lord. In our culture, it, it wouldn't set right. It just wouldn't do it. And so really, although what he's doing is not necessarily sin, he really may be a Christian and he's not, it's not condemning him, but yet it's not really magnifying the Lord in his body, is it? And so that's where we've got to take a look at those issues. And then in verse 21, Paul makes a very wonderful statement. For me, to live is Christ. That's it. And to die is gain. And not everybody's that way. For some people say, for me to live is football season. Almost here. Whew, can't wait. And I love the Lord too. And they really do love the Lord too. But they can't say, for me, one thing. For me to live is one thing, Christ. They really can't say that. Because they have such a great passion for this other thing. That really it does at times get in their way of their growth in the Lord. Doesn't mean they're not a Christian. Doesn't mean they're not right with God. But they're always fighting, you know, to make sure God is really God. Because sometimes they've got to wonder whether... You know, to, I have a greater passion for the Lord or a greater passion for football or whatever it may be. With Paul, all other passions were stripped. As he says there in Galatians chapter 5, I've crucified my body with all its passions and desires. I've crucified my flesh with all its passions and desires. He stripped them away. And so, again, it, it's not necessarily the issue. You see, if it happens, I get to watch a football game, great. If not, it doesn't really matter. Not everybody can feel that way. I know this last year, I only watched one football game all season. But the year before, man, I, I don't think I missed but one, you know. 
and, and again, it wasn't a passion either way. Had I missed it, I wasn't bummed going, oh man, I missed that game, you know, and it, it wasn't a big deal. But at the same time, for some people, if they miss the game, oh man, they're all bummed. Something's wrong, you see. That's not the way it should be. For me to live is Christ, period. And in verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, referring to his body, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having to desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is what? More needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all your progress and joy in the faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Listen to Paul's confidence. Verse 22, that'll mean more fruit. Secondly, that will mean strength to the believers. And thirdly, he says, it's needful for you that I stay around. Is that your life? Is that your life for me to say, for me to live another day is just to bear more fruit for God and for His kingdom? Or is for you to live another day another struggle, another temptation to fall into, another bummer of a day where I've had to fight to get in the Word and fight to pray and to fight to come to church, and man, I'm... Oh, so tough living this Christian life. Man, can't wait to get out of here. Wish the Lord just come back today and get me out of here. You see, a lot of people who are caught up in those doubtful issues are always struggling to follow the Lord. But when you start cutting loose of those doubtful things, guess what? It's not that giant of a struggle anymore. Because for me to live is Christ. That's it. That's why, I'm, that's why I woke up this morning to get into the Word. That's why I'm going to the work today or going to school today because I'm going out into the world. Jesus said, go into the world. I'm going into the world to be a light, to be the salt. You see, so your life really is Christ. And it's, it, for me to live another day is, man, to learn that much more about God and to be able to share that much more about God to other people, to encourage other Christians in the Lord, to witness to other people in the Lord. And for me to stay, man... It'd be such a strengthening to the church. I, I'm so involved in ministry. I'm there teaching Sunday school. I'm helping with the ushering and I'm discipling this brother at work. Gee, if I, if I died tomorrow, man, I don't know if there's another strong Christian that really could take my place and teach the Sunday school the way God's been anointing me to do it. I, I don't know if, if there would be another usher to step in. I don't know if that guy down at the work would really keep walking with the Lord if I wasn't down there discipling him and being the Christian to help him stand strong in the midst. I don't know. I think I better stay around. See, is that you? But often when people are caught up in these issues of how worldly can I be and still be a Christian? Have I crossed the line yet? Often their whole Christian walk is a struggle. And for them to live doesn't mean more fruit. For them to remain isn't really needful for us because they're really not adding that much to us as believers. And I hope that's not you. I hope your Christian walk adds much to other believers. Well, and then also in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And in whatever you do, in word or in deed, Colossians 3, 17, do all in the name or synonymous, remember, within the Hebrew writings is the nature of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so all that we do 
let's do it the way Jesus would do it. He says it the same way in 1 John chapter 2. If we abide in him, then that means we walk even as he walked. You see? So, really, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? It's really important. If Jesus were alive right now, in 1999, what would he be doing? Would he be coming up and smoking a cigarette? Or would that bother you? If Jesus, you, you get to heaven, you see him face to face, and he blows out the last little bit of smoke, and then he gives you a hug. I, I, don't, I don't picture that happening. I, I don't picture Jesus doing a lot of things that I think we do. And so all that we do, when we sit down in front of the television, we go to a movie, we're talking with a friend on the phone, we're attitudes hanging out with non-Christians at work or at school or in the neighborhood. Am I different? You see? Am I different? I hope not. I hope I'm the same all the time everywhere. I was at the Little League field yesterday, and I got there and the coach said, hey, would you mind doing the chalk line and, and setting up the bases? Uh, before the game? I said, no. I said, this is a wonderful opportunity for me. He goes, really? Why? I said, because those who are servants are greatest in God's kingdom. He looked at me like, I said, it's in the Bible. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be a witness. I wasn't trying to, it's just, that's it. I'm, I, this is an opportunity for me to be a servant. That's the greatest in God's kingdom. So again, we don't need to change. But if I'm down there at the baseball field, you know, and I can have the tough, macho attitude, and I'm, then all of a sudden I get here in the pulpit and I'm different. You see, yuck. And hopefully we're not different anywhere. We're the same everywhere we go. We're just who we are in Christ. And everywhere I'm at, everything I'm doing, I'm doing it to the glory of God. So when we're thinking of those doubtful issues, no one lives to himself, no one dies to himself. For he who lives, lives to the Lord. And whatever we do. Well, skipping back over to Romans chapter 14, verse 9. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Hey, you know what? God likes being God. He doesn't need any help. He is the Lord, and He doesn't need you to back Him up to be Lord. This is why He died. This is why He rose again, that He might be Lord. You see, if Christ didn't die, we would all be in our sins. And although He would be Lord over all of creation, He wouldn't be Lord over us. You see, we are powerful as human beings. Matter of fact, equal in power to God in one way. Choice. I can tell the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, I can tell him to take a hike. And he will. I can tell him, buzz off and leave me alone. And he will. I can tell him, I never want to see you again. And he'll honor it. And you never will see him again as you burn in the lake of fire forever and ever. 
And so, again, if Christ didn't die, didn't raise again, we would still be in our sins and there would be no hope that Christ would be Lord of us. And this is why, again, for you. And so, again, He is, each and every one of us, we are His special treasure. We're His special, precious treasure. And so, you could imagine, if you were down at the park, and some dad walks up and takes your kids and throws them off the swing and puts his kid on the swing. What would that do to you? Your kid comes over crying, skinned up and, and, and crying because, you know, this big guy pushed him off the swing. It would make you mad. If one of your kids went and threw one of your other kids off the swing and it was skinned up, you would be upset as well. In the same way, God wants to be the Lord of each of us. He doesn't want us pushing each other around. He doesn't want each and every one, every one of us skinning each other up. We need you to say, look, God is Lord of that believer. He's not walking the way he needs to walk in my point of view on these issues, but he is Lord. And that's why he died and rose again, that he could, by the power of God's Spirit, enter into their life. We're born again. God's Spirit comes into our life. And so God can speak to them. God can lead them. God can help them. And all I need to do is accept them and love them to where they have come in their pilgrimage. And a grief to all of us who love the Lord and are growing in the Lord, there are believers who just sort of stagnate. And they never really go any farther with the Lord. And it's a very sad thing to see them struggling with things. 20 years later, they're still struggling. they were struggling with 20 years earlier. And here you've pressed on and passed that point a long, long time ago. And you're just so close now to the Lord that that's not even an issue in your life anymore. But there they are, still struggling away with it. And so again, in verse 9, So to this end Christ died and rose again, that he might be Lord both of the living and the dead. And in verse 10, But why do you judge, you see, why do you judge your brother? The word judge here is Chris, as we get the word criticism or critical from. So probably a, a better way of saying it in the English is, Why are you being critical of your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat. Now, in the Greek, this word is bima. You might make a note of that. B-E-M-A is the transliteration. We'll all be before that judgment seat of Christ. For as it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now this is an important issue that unfortunately a lot of Christians don't know. They've been told, you see, well, if you sin, your sins are forgiven. Absolutely true. Absolutely right. Wouldn't take anything away from that. But that doesn't mean that that sin is forgotten before God. Forgotten for judgment, for damnation? Absolutely. You'll never be condemned because of that sin. You'll never be condemned because of that shortcoming in your life. All condemnations taken out of the way. We're no longer under the law, but we're under grace, as we learned earlier in Romans 6. But, 
Jesus says in Matthew, every idle word spoken, we will have to give an account to on that day. And here we see that everything we've done will be brought to account. Look over, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There in verse 9. It says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. 2 Corinthians 5, now verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror, the awesomeness of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are all well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. John later writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, he says, Abide in him, little children, so when he appears, you don't shrink away in shame at his appearing. And Jude says, and there's some, it is snatching them out of the fire, hating the very garments in which they wear. It says in the book of Jude, the last couple of chapters. So there are believers, you see, who are going to be giving account to God of things they did in their bodies that were wrong, that were bad, that were giving themselves a license where they shouldn't have been giving themselves a license. Every idle word that was spoken, they're going to have to discuss it with Dad. And they're going to have reward because of it or loss of reward because of it. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. First Corinthians 3.11 For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as through fire. And so it's going to be a fiery judgment in this Bema seat. Now this isn't a seat of judgment like the world's going to go through, one of condemnation. That's Revelation 20. That's the white throne judgment. Let's look over there. This, this, this is a different judgment. The world's going to go to that white throne judgment talked about in Revelation 20. Revelation chapter 20. In verse 11, John's writing in Revelation 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, and for whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great, standing before God. And the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, 
and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And he one not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That judgment we won't have to be at. We'll be observing it, but we won't be in it. But there is another judgment, and I personally believe it's just going to be us and the Lord. I don't believe there's going to be other people around. But I do believe there's going to be a discussion about every word, every idle word, every spoken, every wrong thought, every wrong action, every wrong deed, every wrong motive. It's all going to be judged. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we should have looked at that a minute ago, sorry. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul writes there in verse 4, For I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So God is going to bring to light every hidden thing of darkness, and reveal the counsels of the heart. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but it motivates me. Because, you know, I'll, I'll make it through a few decades, you know, just sort of sweating, but then I, I want there to be a point in time where it's just smooth selling when we look over those last few years of my life. You know, starting now. I, I don't want to, you know, the last one year of my life going, now this is when you were in the old folks' home. You did pretty good there. Um, you know... I don't want that. I, I want there to be decades and decades of just rejoicing the heart of the Father. Many rewards to give glory to His name. I want one of those crowns. I want, to, I want to have a crown to throw before that glassy sea as we're singing, Thou art worthy, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and, and honor and power. And so I do want to be pleasing to Him. So whether present or absent, whether in this body now or in my new body later, I always want to strive to be well-pleasing to the Lord. And knowing the awesomeness of God, he says, I now persuade men. And so Paul here again is, is saying, hey, wake up. Why are you judging, being critical on your brother? Because all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And at that point, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord and we'll all give an account at that point of our life to the Lord. And so if somebody says, well, it's okay for me to talk that way. It's okay for me to do that. And you're in your heart going, I don't see how I could be right with God on that. Hey, it's going to come out in the wash. Where? In rewards or lack of rewards. So what do we need to do? We need to get our eyes on the Lord. And we need to say, look, I'm not, I'm not going to be swayed by this guy over here. For me, he's just living a carnal life that bums me out, and I'm not going to let him give me a license, you see. Well, this guy's been a Christian 20 years, and he does that. He goes there. He, 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 he lives that way. Hey, I can't. I've got to get my eyes on the Lord and pursue the Lord. I don't care what you're doing. I'm not going to do it, you see. 
And I just need to press on in the Lord, keeping my eyes on the Lord. I'm not wanting to judge him. I'm willing to fellowship with him. I'm willing to love him. But I'm not going to follow his example. Because I know that in a twinkling of an eye, in a fraction of a second, our life is but a vapor. I'm going to be kneeling before our Lord. And then I'm going to raise, and there I'm going to give an account of everything I've done in my body. Good and bad. Strong or weak. Every idle word. And so that now is my aim. That is my focus. That I'm going to be standing before him and I want to be ready on that day. Not just to say, man, I made it. But to be able to say, hey, and there is great rewards there for me. Jesus in the command says, store up your treasures in heaven. It's a command. Now I want to look at this some more this week. I didn't get to it tonight. But we need right now, we need to judge ourselves. That we need not be judged by God. That's an interesting point. We're going to look at that next week when we take a look at 1 Corinthians 11 in this. So right now, you see, we're to be judging ourselves. Why? So God doesn't need to do great judgment on us now and in particular uh, in the life to come. And so we're going to take a little more look at that um, next week. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word once again. And we do ask in Jesus' name that you would hear our hearts, Lord. And that you would indeed, Lord, help us to see things as you see things, to know things as you know things, and that we would grow more and more in the knowledge of you. Lord, strengthen us, help us, Lord, to live in a way that always is pleasing and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.